This is Father Bonaventure Chapman. This is Father Joseph Anthony Cress. And this is Father Patrick Prisco. And welcome to Godsplaining. Thanks to all those who support us. If you enjoy the show, please consider making a monthly donation on Patreon. Be sure to like and subscribe to Godsplaining wherever you listen to your podcast. Father Joseph Anthony, Father Patrick, I've always thought we should do that when we have three of us together. Um, and this is Godsplaining. Like after the names, oh, like all of us like jump in, like but then it has a sort one of Power big Rangers Earth. kind of. Water. Fire, yeah. <laughs> no, I like the Heart. Power Rangers move. Like, we're like forming Megazord yeah, on the Lexio exactly. episodes. Mega, yeah, Mega Lexios. With two Mega people, Lexios. it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem <laughs> as necessary. But once you start going down a row, it seems like dun, it's a band dun, dun. kind of getting together. Yeah. But it's third week of Lent, third Sunday of Lent. Yeah, that's what um, it is. And I was thinking all of us have been involved in RCA in some capacity, whether right. at Providence College or um, at University of Virginia, mm-hmm, sort mm-hmm. of thing. So, and Lent is a time where you're we're spiritually preparing ourselves, detaching, right. but we're also preparing people to enter into the church at Easter, usually the Easter mm-hmm. vigil or something. So what was your, and this has scrutinies and all of this, so yeah, maybe yeah. perhaps uh, your favorite Lenten kind of RCA, or what is it now, OC? OCIA. OCIA. Yeah. OCIA. RCA like, is like a recording company, I yeah, believe. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, what is yeah? What, what is what, what's your favorite OCIA like liturgy aspect as we prepare for the as you prepare going mm. forward for uh, Easter Vigil? Um, I think honestly, I, I one of the things I enjoy the most is during Holy Week. So in Charlottesville, the way we do this is the Wednesday before um, the Easter Vigil, we will actually do a walkthrough with all the candidates, catechumens, and, and mm-hmm. all that, and begin to like walk them through what they would happen on the Easter or the Easter vigil in yes. receiving their sacraments, and you get to see, um, you know, you kind of get to see that like excitement, anticipation right there. Uh, and so I always end up being the one who has to lead that as the master of ceremonies or things like that, and start to organize it. But you you get to see them kind of like that twinkle in their eye and that click where it's like, oh, this is really happening. Like all the months here, like now I'm like, I have to say these words. I'm going to, you know, lean here to be baptized and and little things like that. It, it really becomes real for them. And yeah. in that kind of walk through. So like, that's a really privileged moment. I really love uh, being able to walk through the candidates, the catechumens at that moment. Yes, actually, I, and I participated on the other side of that, not mm-hmm. being received into the church at UVA, but sponsoring <laughs> someone yeah. uh, received into the... So uh, uh, Dr. Chris Hackett now, he's a professor out in Meinrad Seminary, but he was entering the church, and I was, before entering the order, I was I was his sponsor. Um, we had studied in England together, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. both became Catholics. We were Anglicans. But we were at that preparation meeting, and so Father Luke Clark uh, was there at the time. Oh, yeah. And he was going through the the part about, um, you know, receive the Holy Spirit or whatever in confirmation, and so he practiced this, and uh, and when he says this, uh, Chris Hackett says, "Awesome," and, uh, <laughs> and Father Luke doesn't miss a beat. Goes, he goes, "It is awesome." That's not what you say. <laughs> so I was standing behind him. So at the at the at the at the Easter vigil, That's I was great. whispering in his ear, "Awesome, yeah, That's so good. That. I love that." Father Patrick, what That's about excellent. you? I'd say you know one of the one of the best parts is certainly helping people. Um, realize who they're going to claim as their confirmation saint. Mm. Uh, so to yeah. discover a patron that they really love and to connect with that person, mm-hmm. that's a lot of fun because people people get very excited about it and they choose unusual things. Uh, like I, I'm thinking of one friend who, uh, because of her Swedish heritage, mm-hmm. um, chose St. Lucy for oh, her confirmation. Oh, I was very eyes. surprised by that. Or or another, or another, <laughs> another, uh, another candidate who... 
chose um, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because of her love for the Eucharist. You know, so just the, yeah. the things that people find out about the saints and the things they choose to identify with them, it's very moving. Yes. And, and they, they put so much more thought into it than we did when we were confirmed as a 16-year-old kid. Or a 25-year-old man, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I was so I was Saint Thomas Aquinas was my patron conf- confirmation saint. Really? Um, your yeah, your your saints. Oh, my, my confirmation saint was Saint Peter. Saint Peter. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Classic. I have used Patrick for everything. Oh, okay, Saint Patrick, just go for him. Baptism, yeah. religious yeah. life, confirmation. That's the way it goes. He's, he hasn't failed me yet. Yeah, one stop shopping. <laughs> one stop shopping. I, well, I mean, why change now? No, you exactly. get a little yeah. creative. Probably, but there's I enough figure, saints you can pick. A, yeah, get as, a little. Creative. I figure I'll probably put it on my tomb too. Yeah, as as Lord Falkland said, if it's not necessary. To change, it's necessary not to change. Amen. So that's great. All right. Well, okay. This is the third Sunday of Lent. So what I'll do for this lexio, of course, is read the opening collect for us, and then we'll pass it over mm-hmm. for Father Joseph Anthony if you read the first reading. So yep. let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O God, Author of every mercy and of all goodness, who in fasting, prayer, and almsgiving have shown us a remedy for sin. Look graciously on this confession of our lowliness, that we, who are bowed down by our conscience, may always be lifted up by your mercy. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Joseph Anthony, take us away. A reading from the book of Exodus. In those days, God delivered all these commandments. I, the Lord, am your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, that place of slavery. You shall not have other gods besides me. You shall not carve idols for yourselves in the shape of anything in the sky above or on the earth below or in the waters beneath the earth. You shall not bow down before them or worship them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, inflicting punishment for their father's wickedness on the children of those who hate me, down to the third and fourth generation, but bestowing mercy down to the thousandth generation on the children of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will will not leave unpunished the one who takes his name in vain. Remember to keep holy the Sabbath day. Six days you may labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. No work may be done then either by you or your son or daughter or your male or female slave or your beast or by the alien who lives with you. In six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord has blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother that you may have a long life in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not kill, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male or female slave, nor his ox or ass, nor anything else that belongs to him. Word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. So I elected to go with a long form. Mm-hmm. So there were two options for the liturgy, is long form and short form. I went with the long form because more scripture has never hurt anybody. Um, mm-hmm. But we are presented here uh, in the third third week of Lent out of the gate with the Decalogue. 
the the Ten Commandments as accounted in the book of Exodus. And um, I think it's, I, I find it fascinating to note that the first kind of three commandments um, have some kind of explanations to them. They're attached in the the sense that there's there's some explanation, but then after that it kind of gets quick hitters and it's just like, you know, don't do, shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, and it's just kind of uh, quick hitters on that. When we look at the very first commandment that the Lord gives, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, brought you out of slavery, and you shall not have other gods besides me. The final line of that explanation there is talking about how he intends, and he does, he he is bestowing mercy down to the thousandth generation. The juxtaposition to the inflicting of the punishment to third and fourth, but mercy to the thousandth, that is, the, the, those are not comparable, right? And it, it is his commandment, uh, the first commandment to not have other gods besides him, to not make idols, and to allow ourselves to have a relationship with the one true God above all other things is completed, fulfilled by his giving of mercy to thousands of generations. And it's the very, very first commandment, the very beginning of the entire Decalogue the rationale behind it is that his desire to give mercy to thousands of generations. And I think if we understand that and the rest of the commandments are not just checklists or obligations to fulfill, to say, am I being a good person? Let me check these boxes. But it's truly understanding the the highest and the pinnacle of the desire of the Lord is to pour forth his mercy upon thousands of generations. And he will do that. He is doing that when those who uh, do not have other false idols and, and honor and love him as the one true God. Yeah, that's a good point that we live in America where commands and laws are kind of things that hinder our freedom. We yeah. have a strong sense of freedom, which seems seems right. Um, so commands initially seem restricting, mm-hmm. but you bring a point, great point that the commands are settled within a deeper, embedded in a context of mercy and the desire for the Lord to bless his people. Right. And the commands, therefore, are res- are his means of blessing us, and mm-hmm. our response to the commands is, are our means of growing with him. So there is said in a context of him loving us and then giving us these directives, whereas we tend to think of laws as impositions on our freedom that are just pragmatically necessary given X, Y, and Z, yeah, yeah. as opposed to actually for for our good and that. So I think that that's, yeah, setting the commands in the mercy context, especially that first commandment, that's that seems profound. Yeah, that's right. I think the commandments here present a challenge to us as Catholics because there's something we kind of vaguely refer to, but we don't actually know them. <laughs> yeah. So, for example, I think plenty of Catholics are surprised when they discover that Protestants number the commandments differently. Yeah, yeah. yeah they yeah, include yeah. idolatry as a particular commandment, right? And that has important scriptural reasons uh, behind it. But most Catholics can't name all the commandments. No. Mm-hmm. We don't love them enough to know them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a teacher at St. Pius Elementary School, she's a Nashville Dominican sister that's just a, a brilliant catechetical genius. And she taught the children the commandments with these little hand signals. Oh, gosh. Oh, and gosh. Uh, so so people listening can't see this, but it's worth checking out the video. So she would she had a little hand gesture yeah. for all the different commandments. So it was a great way of remembering them. So, you know, the first, the first commandment, she holds up her thumb, you have one God. Mm-hmm. The second, she holds up two fingers and makes a V. You shall not take his name in vain. Oh, yeah, okay. um, so, but the most hilarious one, she gets to the sixth commandment. Yeah. And so she's got five fingers up on one hand and her thumb up on her other hand. And she wiggles one thumb and says, and that means 
the sixth commandment, you shall not commit adultery. That means that this guy has to stay over here with his family, and this guy, and she wiggles the thumb on her opposite hand, has to stay over here with his family. And so it so it, it's oh, just nice. absolutely hysterical <laughs> the way that it's done. Um, but but I think the the I was shamed when I realized yeah. all these second graders knew all of the commandments and could quickly recite them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I could not do it with the same level of confidence that they that they could. You yeah. don't have to think about it and kind of say, okay, you know, enumerate them. Um, so I think today's readings um, present to us a challenge, an invitation that we should love, as mm. Father Joseph Anthony is saying, the Lord's mercy, that he's given these commandments to us for good reason. We should take that to heart and we should know them. Mm-hmm. We should memorize them. Yeah, they're good for, especially for confession too. Um, it, it, one of the get best ways to examine your conscience before confession is to totally. wander through the totally. yeah. Ten Commandments. And they have, of course, many different instantiations underneath each one of them, but they're nice topics. And you could say the categories of sin. We're thinking of like Aristotle's categories of being. These are the categories of sin where you can go wrong. Um, and they're they're not just descriptions. This is what's interesting to me that the I'm a philosopher, so I care about the form of things. And they're, they're commands, they're imperatives, they're, which means that they're aimed not so much at the mind, right, but mm-hmm. at the heart. Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. is a positive thing for me because God could have given descriptions about, so instead of the Ten Commandments, you could have had the Ten Descriptions. So those who are successful do this, and those successful, the Ten Vagues, smart people do this. I mean, like things describing what it means to be successful. And then the thing is, what you do is you then you decide your job of listening to God is hearing Him as an instructor, and then you decide whether you want to do that or not. But instead, the commandments aren't the Ten Descriptions; they're commands. He's speaking directly to Mm -hmm. your heart and asking you, "I want you to do this. I want you to do this. I want you to do this." So it's it's he's taking away our own kind of like priority and emphasis and rather saying, do you love me? Do you love me? Because that's what a command is about is, will, you know, will you follow me? Don't, and the, the mind is there, of course. You have to know what you're, you have to listen to him. But it's really he's <laughs> aiming at the heart mm-hmm. more than the mind. And I think that's that the structure of the commands bring that out. So there's a positiveness to his imperatives, not a restriction, but, a, but actually a, a, mm-hmm. a love. I, I think that's a huge shock to our listeners to hear you defending law. Yeah. And the moral law. <laughs> as, as as I mean, love. everyone, everyone yeah. is stunned yeah. Wait a that, second. that you would be emphasizing the imperative nature of this. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that it's an act of love. Uh, of course, of course. Well, it's because I've been teaching I've been teaching Kant recently, of course, and this whatever. Um anything else on <laughs> no, uh, the commandments? No, we can roll to two. So then I'll uh, I'll head to the second reading. A reading from the first letter of Saint Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters. Jews demand signs, and Greeks look for wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are called Jews and Greeks alike, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this passage is, is, is delightful in its sort of bow tie shape, oh. I think. Oh. Um, so I, you have... I'm surprised you don't have one on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you know, I have a, I have a chameleon, uh, a little stuffed chameleon that I use for class and to give the categories and categories, you know, so I can say, well, quality and quantity and all this. 
But of course, the, the last category is uh, for Aristotle is, is called habit, habit. Mm-hmm. which is like which is I call like Vester, accessories yeah. or vestments. You could say <laughs> it's like the thing. It's the fact that like it's different to carry something than to wear something. Right, right. You know, so I'm I'm clo- clothed as opposed to like carrying a book. Um, so maybe is it reducible to other categories? I probably, but leave it. Um, so, but to give that, so I have a bow tie around him. So he's, so, so that it's different. People that realize it's different from a chameleon to be wearing a bow tie or not. And that gives him his name. He's a dapper, he's dapper. Chameleon. Oh yeah. That's dapper. Dapper. And so dapper then you, the then you do the questions of dapperness, you know, how is, is dapperness an essential pro- attribute or an, an accidental prop? Is a bow tie essential to dapperness oh, or is it, is it con- co-extensive, co-extensive, but not co-intentional? So this is very important. So I think of bow ties. I wore bow ties a lot before I entered the order. It's where when I taught. Um, so I don't get to do that oh anymore. Uh, it get, but the chameleon does. But so bow ties in my mind with this. We have two. We have the the we have Jews seeking signs. Yeah. I think of that as the top part, and then Greeks looking for wisdom. But both of those get constricted to the cross. Mm-hmm. So they're both directed. You're not. This is the sign. The sign is the cross, right? And the wisdom is the cross. But then, notice this, I don't know, it expands back out to those two again, mm. because the cross then is the power of God, right? The, and what were the signs for the Jews? Power. The 10 signs and X is the power of God right. over top oh, of the wow. pagans. And wow. then the wisdom of God. Wow. So you get, so in a sense, the, the Jews Greeks. and the yeah. Greeks are right what they're looking for, but they need to have it centered on the cross right. to recenter it. But then you get back. What you were, you guys weren't wrong about this. You needed to have it centered correctly, right, right. so that the power of God, the sign, the true sign of His power, is the cross mm-hmm. and weakness, and the true wisdom is humility. So it restructures these two things. It's a nice kind of dialectic of yeah, but not quite, even yeah. more so. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. So I, that's he's that's a it's a that's a powerful passage. But that's what I got out of out of this guy. Yeah, if you're a bow tie wearer, um, please consider joining the Dominican Order. We're always <laughs> looking for more, more bow tie wearers who can more bring out dapper astonishing friars. insights yeah. of the like sacred that? scripture like that. That that's amazing. Uh, that that right. will I love. The I will bow tie. I will remember that about this passage for yeah. years to come. Um, the, the 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 thing that I always struggle with this passage is that people talk about the cross as a kind of weakness or otherworldliness. And then within the church, that is often used to um, explain away some of the church's um, weaknesses. And I hear I'm talking about the human dimension of the church, of course, because um, the church is divine. But uh, but in her humanity, uh, people will explain away or rationalize a lot of the foolishness that mm-hmm. happens in the church yeah. by saying, like, well, you know, we, we, we're, we're to expect a certain amount of that because the Lord is telling us that the church is supposed to look differently than the wisdom of the world. Okay. Um, but I don't, think, I don't think that's exactly what St. Paul is getting at here because uh, the wisdom of God is not incompetence. No. Mm-hmm. And so we have to make a yeah. distinction between not trying mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. neglect uh, things we see plenty of times um, in the humanity of the church. And we have to make a distinction between that and the kind of otherworldly approach uh, of the cross. And I think that, that that's very important um, to emphasize, as you do, Father Bonaventure, humility in particular, mm. which is a virtue and something we can practice and cultivate. Um, and it's not just the kind of bumbling about 
uh, and the kind of rationalization of uh, vice that can happen when people talk about the church, uh, which seems foolish to the wise. Sometimes humili- humility is only gained by humiliation, mm. uh, by the bumbling incompetence. Yeah. But it's not. That's not an essential connection. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can yeah, be humble right. and yeah. never be humiliated. You might be able to do that. Might uh, be able to. That's the at least that's the aim. I tend to find it's easier the other way around. We would, we would call it an accident. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I think yeah. it was Teresa of uh, Teresa of Avila said it takes uh, like a ton of humiliation to create an ounce of humility. Right. And it's like the pride of man. Yep. It's all in there. Um, But uh, I think you, Father Bonaventure, as you were, you know, coming into this, it's like the bow tie effect of it all. But it, you know, it, what you start with and then come into that, like kind of bottleneck and Mm -hmm. distillation on Christ and his crucifixion but then it expands even more. It doesn't return back to what you got, but like mm-hmm. it's that and more. Yeah. You know, and that's where it's like Hegel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Of course. Lexi so, about God's planning is great. Con Hegel. Con Hegel, bow ties. You're good, you're good. Dapper, you, know? you know. Yeah. But and no that's right. You know, what what both the here the the signs and the wisdom that were sought after you know um they find their clarity they find their orientation in christ himself but it's returned back in in its in its trueness in its fullness in that way um so i i I love how you were you know drawing that into this is like okay where you start from like what your original desires are and then they kind of find their way to christ and it's not then you receive something new totally different it's not alien no that kind of stuff but you receive yourself back for the first time exactly yeah in in, language it's it's hegel language fh bradley um yeah no and that's right it's got to be it's it's a sense of that you find your you find you find yeah you should find your home in 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 eternity in heaven in christ and a home is a place that you don't go to the first time and go, what's this? It's no. the thing that you recognize you go back to in a sense, but right. it's the paradox of of the fact that Christ created you for this, but you wandered away, mm-hmm. and therefore you need to have him back, and that you get what... So that it it shouldn't be unintelligible, the Christian no. message, although it might require some, some, of, some humbling of your own wisdom, right, and mm-hmm. some humbling of your own strength, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, let's turn over to the gospel and hear from our Lord Jesus Christ himself. Father Patrick, take it away. Uh, d- two things. Uh, first, I'm not the Lord Jesus Christ, just to be clear. You of know, I'm not. the one speaking the word, yeah, yes. in case there was any confusion about that. Second of all, challenge, uh, give us a Foucault reading. Give us Foucault's reading on the gospel. All right, here we go. Mm-hmm. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Since the Passover of the Jews was near, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He found in the temple area those who sold oxen, sheep, and doves, as well as the money changers seated there. He made a whip out of cords and drove them all out of the temple area with the sheep and the oxen, and spilled the coins of the money changers and overturned their temples. And to those who sold doves, he said, Take these out of here and stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples recalled the words of Scripture. Zeal for your house will consume me. At this, the Jews answered and said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. 
The Jews said, this temple has been under construction for 46 years, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. Therefore, when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they came to believe the scripture and the word Jesus had spoken. While he was in Jerusalem for the feast of Passover, many began to believe in his name when they saw the signs he was doing. But Jesus would not trust himself to them because he knew them all and did not need anyone to testify about human nature. He himself understood it well. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, This verse, zeal for your house will consume me, um, brings to mind uh, the shrine of St. Catherine of Siena, the side altar dedicated Mm -hmm. to her honor, which is in the chapel of Our Lady of the Rosary across the street here from the Dominican House of Studies at the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception. And I love this verse of scripture being applied to Catherine because, of course, it tells us how much Catherine loved the church. Mm-hmm. And part of what we're seeing here, to continue my my, my theme about the church, uh, part of what we're seeing here in the gospel is Jesus um, teaching us about his body. Yeah. You know, he's, he's talking about the temple of his body. But we're to also understand him here talking about his body, the church. Uh, mm-hmm. So when, when we ask, uh, who is the one who is building the church? What's going to happen to the church? We would do well to remember that when we're talking about the church, we're talking about the body of Christ. We're talking about something that belongs to the Lord, something which is his to command, and something uh, for which we ought to be zealous for. And that's why I think this, this moniker for St. Catherine is so fantastic. Because she, of course, loved the church so greatly. It pained her very deeply. Um, the scandals that plagued the church, that the Pope was not living in Rome, um, many other things. And Catherine offered many sacrifices and intervened very directly with her writings and uh, and her pre- the, her presence, walking every day to St. Peter's to pray for the return of the Pope, um, for example. Catherine intervened very directly um, to bring about a kind of renewed love for the church. And so that, w- that would be my hope for us this Sunday that as we're hearing this reading, um, we might be thinking about the church as Christ's body to understand it belongs to him and that we ourselves might be more consumed by, might have built up in us more of that zeal for the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Catherine Siena is, is different from Michel Foucault, um, but uh, <laughs> Michel Foucault, one of the, the many great things, uh, there's many bad things about him too, but I, I like some of his analysis. He's very good on, the, on some points. And one of them is his final lectures in 1984, I believe it is, the College mm-hmm. of France lecture is called Courage of Truth or Courage to Truth. It's about Parisia speaking of the speaking of truth mm-hmm. um, that, that the Greeks do and that we ought to do. He analyzes uh, us and the human speaker from three axes. So think of like a three-dimensional grid, okay. X, Y, and, and, and the Z axis. And one is power, uh, another is subjectivity, and another is truth. And you could, and so power is about action and doing something and domination. Subjectivity is about one's identity as as not being forced upon oneself. Uh, and then truth is, of course, speaking despite these things. Now he thinks that uh, despite what might happen to you. Um, so when he analyzes the the speaker of truth, the one who is courageous to speak truth, uh, whether it be Greek or otherwise is a man who grasps all of these things. And I think this passage, um, although I hadn't thought about it before this, um, is a nice to preach on in this capacity of Foucault, that we have Christ in the center. St. Bonamich always talks about Christ being in Hexameron, the center yeah, of, yeah. of all the disciplines. Right. 
And Christ is the center, the zero, zero, zero point of that axis right here. He's got all of the power, subjectivity, and truth. One, the power of being able to cast out. Mm -hmm. He is mm -hmm. dominating here as he ought to. But it can't just be power without truth that it ought to be. These money changers ought to be cast out. So you yeah. need both power and truth. And you have you can't do it from someone else's perspective, but rather from yourself. He's doing it as the one who ought to do it because he is the man who owns this temple. This belongs mm -hmm. to him. So we have Christ, the sort of center of a Foucaultian power, truth, and subjectivity axis that then we are in awe of, and we ask for a little bit of assistance to become like. Yeah. That's now we're just having fun. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> Father Bob mentioned that was amazing. Love it. Uh, I have not more, much more to say in that vein, or how to even add to that. Um, for me, the the line that grabs my attention in there is the fact that he made a whip out of cords and drove them out all, out of the temple. Um, he didn't pick up a sword that was lying there. He didn't pick up a whip that was already uh, in existence and ready to go. There was no impulse here. Like mm -hmm. I, I imagine that moment, especially with the apostles and the disciples there, and they're like, hey, Jesus, what are you doing right now? Like He's like, I need cord. And he just starts making. Like he, he, he it takes time to make a whip. I, I mean, I haven't hey, spent a lot of time. what you doing over there? Yeah, Don't worry hey, about it. Yeah, uh, you seem a little <laughs> upset. Yeah. <laughs> got a plan for something yeah. what you doing yeah. you know like yeah. that takes time yeah. you know like where was he what did he run out of the temple area did he make it just right there standing i mean there's just it's a deliberation little it's, yeah. this is not just jesus like getting angry like we do and blowing up on the and temple, that's it right? this is not right? this is right. not this is impulsive here yeah. like this was not an impulsive like what is this and then just starts flipping tables he's like okay all right here we're going to we're going to cleanse yeah. this we are going to cleanse this um and i i think that there are times where maybe we get upset and we're like, Lord, don't you see all the problems? Don't you see all the dysfunction? Don't you see all the hurt in the, in the church? Cleanse this, you know? There's a period where he recognizes all that too, and he's like, okay, I'm gonna start putting this together in order to cleanse this, in order to restore my father's house to a house of worship in that. And that kind of intervening time, I think I reflect on a lot of being a disciple of the Lord, watching him make preparations for the cleansing, mm -hmm. even though it's not actually happening yet. Yeah. You know? And that there are times to he's still as a disciple of the Lord, still to be near him and be close to him, watching him prepare. Um, mm -hmm. even before it's like we want to be impulsive. We want it to happen now, especially with our current society. We all want to be on demand. I want it now mm -hmm. and it happens. Mm -hmm. But the Lord operates differently. You know, yeah. sometimes he has to take the time to to assemble the whip himself and not just be the impulsive one to grab an instrument of destruction. But he's going to make sure that he does it in a way that is the the, the most uh, fitting for the purpose. And he wanted to cleanse yeah. the church and restore it uh, back to its proper place as a house of worship for the for his father. And he does he does the same thing with us too. So we can talk on a broad scale about, you know, what you were saying about Catherine of Siena and praying for the church, the body of Christ, the mystical body of Christ and these types of things. But I think so too with the temples of our own hearts, the temples of our bodies, that there may be times that we want to uproot and flip a table in our own soul and like, Lord, get this out of my life or something. But to not be afraid that there are times that maybe he's making a preparation for a total cleansing. Mm -hmm. And in that period of time, it seems like there's, 
he's not doing anything or that he's it's there's a little bit of a gap from the recognition that mm. this needs to be cleansed to the actual cleansing itself yeah yeah the, the making of the cord moment versus the whipping with the cords moment yeah yeah that seems yeah that seems fair and i think it also is a nice reminder that jesus does have zeal yeah he has passions he's not this floating ephemeral kind of gnostic god that takes <laughs> in a body and rolls around with it for a bit and that therefore like our passions are not of themselves sinful, but how they're directed right, are. Right, right. We always confess, as I assume here, plenty of people confessing anger or these sort of. And I always want to ask, well, what were you angry at? Was someone screwing up the temple? Because then, if that's that's okay, yeah. you know, that's the right reaction. So it's it's a nice. You get a, a little insight again to the the, the human nature of mm -hmm. Christ that has yep, taken yep, up yep, his yep. divine nature, and that these are things that the can sanctified feel. and ordered passionate. We yeah. understood it well. We hear. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. Well, uh, I think that's good for us on mm -hmm. the third Sunday of Lent. Hopefully that everyone has received, I have received in this. Um, I'm going to end with the prayer after communion. So we have not had communion, at least in this the body, in this sacramental yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, But I'll end with that prayer. Um, As we receive the pledge of things yet hidden in heaven and are nourished while still on earth with the bread that comes from on high, we humbly entreat you, O Lord, that what is being brought about in us in mystery may come to true completion through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 So thanks to all those for listening to this episode, special episode, Lexio. Uh, on God's Pointing, follow us on Facebook, X, Instagram, Instagram? Instagram. Like, subscribe, leave a five-star review. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, please do, through, do so through Patreon. Follow us. Uh, the link's in the description. You can also find in the description links to merchandise, shops, some God's explaining stuff, and also information on our upcoming retreats uh, and all those sort of events, which I'm sure um, I'm supposed to mention something, but no, you're not. we're good to go. So um, <laughs> know of our prayers for you. Please pray for us during this Lent, and we'll catch you next time on God's Explaining.